Hey, well, today is a special day here uh, at The Pursuit. We're joined by one of my friends, Pastor Heather Schott, lead pastor of Mercy Culture Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, about a month ago, I had the privilege of preaching uh, in their church. They planted about a year ago. They have a miracle building. They got about 2,000 people. God is doing incredible things in Texas. God bless Texas. And uh, we, are, uh, we get to be a, a part of that journey uh, together. But Pastor Heather and, and, and her husband, Pastor Landon, have been uh, important voices in our life in this movement from the very early days of planting in a barn on Highway 9 to the acquisition of this building about two years ago. Uh, we have been friends, and, and God has used their voice in our lives, me, me and Maria, uh, as, as uh, just voices of, of, of leaders and friends uh, doing this thing uh, together. And so it was a privilege to be able to have Pastor Heather today. She had time at her schedule. We're so honored to hear from her. She's got a word for this house, a prophetic word for this season. Would you guys stand on your feet and help me welcome my friend, Pastor Heather Schott. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus like 10 times louder. Come on, church. Come on, he's so good. He's so good. He deserves our praise and our worship. Lord, you are so worthy of all of our love and all of our adoration. Come on, who is just thankful for a good, good God that never ceases to be good. No matter what our surroundings are, no matter what's going on, he is always good and always faithful. Before I get started, I just wanted to take a second to honor uh, Pastor Russell and Maria. I don't know if you guys realize the gifts that you have as pastors. Landon and I, yeah. Landon and I have a, a lot of friends, we're social, and we, we love encouraging pastors and having, you know, relationship and, and people that speak into us and we get to speak back. Um, into others, but I'll tell you this, Pastor Russell and Maria, they're special. They're special because they're willing to do what others won't. Their purity in their heart and the pursuit of the presence of God for purity and for righteousness, their stance, having a church open when I'm just going to say it, other churches are closed down, but who's thankful this morning that you have a place to come and freely worship? Come on. They are bold, they are fearless, they are sold out to what God is saying and doing in the earth. And that is the most important thing that you can have in a pastor is hearts that are fully submitted to heaven. And so I honor you guys, I love you guys so much. Thank you for having me this morning. So the message that I have, um, I'm excited about to uh, minister this morning because it's really a prophetic message. And I was... Uh, I went, I went on a prayer run a few weeks ago and I was praying about whether or not I was going to be able to come uh, this Sunday. And the moment I went to ask the Lord, because come on, we, Landon and I pray and we ask the Lord about everything in our life. What he says, yes or no, it's so good for the church to also adopt that we invite Jesus into every area. And so I'm, I'm on this prayer run and I'm asking the Lord yes or no. And before I even hear a yes or no, he just downloads a message into my heart and spirit for this house. And I am so excited about the message this morning because I believe it is just straight from heaven. It's called this, Reformers Arise. We're starting off in Hebrews 9, 7 through 15. Pastor Russell began to minister already on this, the old covenant versus the new covenant and Jesus over uh, the communion that we took. But 
Listen to this portion of scripture. It says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way, say the way, into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifice are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until, imposed until the time of reformation. Because this is now in verse 11, when Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the bloods of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for a purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called that's you, church, may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, the time of reformation. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you go ahead and just put your hands over your heart? So, Lord, as your people, as your sons and daughters, as we are laying our hands over our heart right now, we just declare hearts be soft, hearts be ready to receive. We speak to the spirit of fear. You have no authority. In fact, we say to you, spirit of fear, go in the name of Jesus and Holy Spirit, come. Would you fill us up right now? Would your voice be so loud and clear that confusion would go and clarity would come, that fear would go and faith would come? Gift of faith, fill your people this morning. Lord, we seek to hear your voice above all other voices. We seek to hear your thoughts, your opinions, and your ways because you are the way above any other way. So we declare, as Samuel declared this morning, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So this is what reformation means. It is the Greek word that means making straight. It was used to restoring to the normally straight condition that which is crooked or bent. In fact, in this portion of passage, it means rectification of conditions or setting things to right. It's also a description of the messianic time. It means this, to amend or improve by change of form or removal of faults or abuses. To put an end to evil by forcing or introducing a better method or course of action. To induce or cause to abandon evil ways. To make the crooked ways straight. This is what reformation means. And reformers will be called to make the crooked ways straight. See, we see reformation for the first time in our Bible in this portion of scripture in Hebrews 9.10. 
It doesn't mean that reform didn't take place prior. In fact, we see people like Josiah who came and reformed, Esther who came and reformed, great men and women of God. But it wasn't until our Messiah came that gave us the perfect picture, the greatest reformer of all time of what the church and what we as his sons and daughters are called to act and look like and to sound like. See, Jesus was the ultimate reformer. At that time, the world needed reforming. In fact, the church and the religious realm was completely twisted, distorted, perverted. They were taking advantage of people and they were, they were um, really walking in a spirit of religiosity. They were taking advantage of people. They were clung to laws and rules. In fact, it was a time where you did not see justice. It was injustice. It was unrighteousness that was all around and sin was rampant. In fact, it kind of, as I describe it, sounds like the times that we're in right now. And this is why God is calling his church right now as end time reformers to prepare the way of the Messiah to come. See, we've heard the slogan all the times, what would Jesus do? In fact, I've had many people come and ask me as a pastor, well, what would Jesus do in the middle of COVID, Heather? I said, his word is very, very clear. Jesus went out of compassion to do what? Go and heal. In fact, he never isolated church. I'm gonna be real right now unless he was going to the Father. He was constantly surrounded by crowds filled with compassion to heal the leprosy, to heal, heal, the, heal the paralyzed, to speak to demons to come out. He wasn't afraid to offend. In fact, he offended everywhere he went. He offended the religious leaders. He offended the political leaders. He offended friends. He offended disciples. He offended his family. Come on, this is getting real this morning, and I know that's what it's like out there for you that has a stance and has a conviction inside of you, yet there's people that you love that are close to you, and you're worried about offending them. Church, can I say, if we're asking Jesus, what would you do? He's given us a book with his answers and his promises, and I'm asking you, church, this morning, do you look and sound like him? Are you willing to look and sound like him. See, we've made Jesus into this hippie loving peace individual. But his word says, I have not come to give peace. Come with me real quick in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I know this isn't a popular portion of scripture. We don't hear it a lot on Sunday mornings because it's not that encouraging jump and shout, I'm going to get my blessing. But it's in his word. In fact, it's the red letters. It's Jesus' words. Why, church? Because he's saying that there are going to be moments. In fact, your entire life, if you are submitted to heaven, he's saying, I'm calling you to carry your cross. 
just like I did. And guess what? Carrying your cross is an uncomfortable route and road. And there's going to be times on that route as you're carrying your cross that you're called to speak into others' truth because he is truth and he is grace. He is not just grace, church, but he is truth. Why? Because the Bible says that the truth will set us free. Why do we not see freedom around us? Are we speaking the truth? That is who our Savior is. And there's going to be moments when you're carrying your cross where you will have a decision to make when others will say, no, I'm not about that life. Maybe they call themselves a Christian, but they're not willing to go to that level. And you have a moment in time, which we have seen so much historically for centuries and centuries, when it becomes uncomfortable to be a Christian. And you either continue on or you drop that cross. And you say, you know what? I think it's easier and it's just more comfortable to go with the flow right now. I think it's just more easy. See, Jesus was peace. And so maybe if I just keep the peace in my family. Maybe if I just keep the peace in my work. Maybe if I just keep the peace. Because Jesus, that would be what you would do, right? When really we're using the word peace for compromise. Church, can I tell you, in no moment can compromise equal peace. In fact, Jesus is so awesome and supernatural that he's actually called us to a spiritual war right now. And as we are spiritually warring, he can give us a supernatural peace. But he has not called us to bring peace to a world, bring peace to a world that cannot receive it without the love of Jesus. We are called to preach truth. And yes, to preach grace as they receive it, they receive the grace to overcome sin, to be free. See, Jesus offended people. He offended everybody around him. And why? Because he was sent to reform our crooked world, to change our thoughts, our beliefs, our desire to fit into the world. That desire, that temptation to easily compromise. See, he was sent to give us an opportunity out of the sin and temptations of the world to live an empowered life through the Holy Spirit. Church, I promise you this. If you live a life sold out to Jesus and the word of God, you will offend people, family, and friends. But I can promise you this, you will live a life full of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? That he was given as a gift and helper when Jesus ascended to heaven. Because Jesus said, I can't do what the Holy Spirit can do. See, the Holy Spirit can actually come upon you and within you. My power that you see and read about can now dwell within you. So that those that are hurting around you, come on, it's not just praying about them. It's declaring healing freedom and deliverance over them because you have the power within you to change a world around you see we can't be surprised or worried about the world being offended by the gospel of course they're going to be offended by a gospel that calls out their sin we have to be okay with an uncomfortable message and maybe it's not even okay, but at least willing to give God our yes and our full heart to walking that uncomfortable walk with him. Because there is one way we are called to live our life after. There is one way we are called to follow and one way we are called to prepare the way for. And that is Jesus. 
At the beginning of this service, your pastor said to you, do you still believe that he is coming back soon? And you answered yes. If you answered yes, then you are called as an end time reformer to prepare the way of the coming Messiah. This is who John the Baptist was. See, reformers live for the way. Your life is lived for the way to prepare the way for the way to come. A reformer will do two things. He will cry out. They will cry out. And their cry is not a simple prayer. See, a cry comes from a, your spirit man and woman. It comes from a deeper place, a place of anguish, a place of pain. And when it comes from this place, church, when we allow ourselves to come to this uncomfortable place and cry out, our voice is not just heard in the earth, but it's heard in heaven. And the second thing a reformer will do is they will stand for righteousness and justice. See, they won't stop until wrong is made right. A reformer is black and white. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And a lot of us have met people like that and thought, wow, they're judgmental because that's what the world loves to say to a Christian that stands for righteousness so that we would begin to compromise our righteousness to make somebody else feel better for their sin. Can I tell you we're not called to stand in the middle. That is a lukewarm place. You are called to stand on the side of righteousness and love somebody into righteousness and the grace of God so that they can receive through faith also. See, the cries of the righteous, they're heard in heaven. The Bible tells us that, but they're not just heard, they are answered. Deuteronomy 22, 24 says this. This is why our cry is so important. In this portion of scripture, it's talking about the laws for marriage and adultery. It says this, and you shall bring them both out to the gate. What's the gate? The gate is the place of judgment and justice of that city, and you shall stone them to death. The girl, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he has violated his neighbor's wife. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. So this portion of scripture, what they're saying is they're saying, we will know the difference between adultery and rape. Because all you have to do is those who are around is listen. And as you listen, you will hear a cry that will come from that room. If she is truly not okay with what is taking place. But if we hear no cry, then what does that mean? It means that she consented to it. Church, what am I saying right now? I am saying that heaven and the host of heaven are waiting right now on the church. And they are listening. And they are saying, I know that there's chaos that's taking place. I know that there's sin taking place. But if it is really that bad as I am hearing right now, then surely I will hear a cry from my church. Because surely they won't consent to the unrighteousness. Surely they won't consent to the injustice. Surely I will hear from my church. Church this morning, has he heard your voice? Heaven is the greatest altar that your voice can be heard, not social media, not the streets. Heaven is the greatest altar that your voice can be heard. And this is an hour and season. This is an hour and season when heaven is waiting on church, the church's cry, his sons and daughters cry. Why? Because the prayers of the righteous are answered. If we want heaven to kiss earth, if we need heaven to invade earth, the heaven needs to hear the hearts 
of his people. She cried not, so she consented to at church. But we tell heaven that we are consenting to what is taking place around us. They are listening. See, when you birth a baby, there's a cry that comes out because it's painful. Any of the mamas in the room that have given birth, you know that moment when that baby's about to come out. There is a pain that produces a cry. See, when you birth reformation in the Pacific Northwest and in Washington State in America, there will be pain that produces a cry because it's not easy to birth anything. But let me tell you this, that pain is what produces the cry unless you numb it. See, the American way is to numb pain. You have a headache, take this. You have fear and anxiety, take this. You're having a baby, shoot this. The American way is to say, no, 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 I don't want to feel any sort of pain. And so I'm going to numb my pain. Can I tell you this morning that if you are feeling pain by what is going on around you, church, it means you're alive. Church, it means you are spiritually awake. And I would say to you this morning, do not numb the spiritual pain that you feel going on around you. Because it is a God-given gift of discernment. God is allowing you to discern the times that you are in to prepare you to prepare the way for him. You cannot turn off the God-given gift of discernment. I know it's uncomfortable, but as Christians, we have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Church, it's time to spiritually awaken, to hear what heaven's opinion is on what's taking place right now. God is not surprised. He's not surprised. In fact, he's equipped us. He's given his, us his power. He's given us his gifts. He's given us his strength. But we have to turn off to everything that we hear in the world to say, God, you get first say in my life. Do not numb your spiritual pain. God needs his church alive and awake. Can I tell you this morning that there is a difference between birthing something great and birthing something holy? Did you hear what I said? Your flesh desires to be a part of something great because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And there will be a lot of great movements, a lot of great things that you can build and feel good to be a part of. But if it's not conceived with the Holy Spirit, it's not holy. And God is waiting to birth a holy reformation through his church. Can I say to you again, do not join a movement that sounds great when it's not birthed with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 1 through 3 says, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. See, he was birthed. Elizabeth had a hard time getting pregnant, but then as she birthed with the Spirit of God, she birthed reformation. 
John the Baptist was sent to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what it says in verse 2. And it says in verse 3, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. He was called as a reformer to prepare the way, to prepare the hearts of the people, to draw them back. It didn't mean he compromised his stance or who we, he, he was. If you know John the Baptist, he was really comfortable with being uncomfortable. He was an interesting individual and he didn't change who he was for anybody, yet he let heaven use his voice to bring a movement to prepare people for their coming Messiah. Can I tell you this morning that God is not raising up a John the Baptist? He is raising up a generation of John the Baptist. He is raising up a generation of Moseses that are called to set his people free. That's you sitting in the room. You're called to preach the gospel. To not be afraid of what somebody thinks of you. To prepare the people of God, the lost sons and daughters for Jesus to return. See, to birth something holy, it must be conceived with the Holy Spirit. What things in your life do you need to give back to him? And birth them with God in his timing. See, Luke 135 says this, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit, the angel speaking to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you or what completely overwhelm you, come upon you. Because why Mary and Elizabeth, they were called to birth holy reformers. See, a holy reformation will shake America and the nations. Why? Because it was birthed by God. Church, this is why he needs our yes. A holy reformation will flatten mountains and giants. What are mountains? Mountains are the things that stand in the way of reform. Mountains are the things in our nation that Breathe intimidation to the church that makes us shrink back and afraid. But God has not called us to be afraid. He's called us, David, as a David, to stand toe to toe with these mountains and giants of homosexuality, of abortion, of infirmity, of lawlessness, of perversion. He has given us the power to overcome and take out giants and mountains. How do I know this? Isaiah 43 through 5. The title is this A Voice Cries. In the wilderness, again, speaking of John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the flesh shall, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Can I tell you this is not the time to fear the mountains and the giants of our nation. In fact, we can't even be afraid to call a mountain a mountain or a giant or a giant. Did you hear what I just said? The church has been afraid to call a mountain a mountain or a giant a giant because then we have to deal with it. But can I tell you, we don't deal with it on our own. But when we say, hey, that thing's a mountain and it's coming down, the Holy Spirit gives us the power and the authority to speak to that thing to come down. 
Mm. Reformers will also stand for righteousness and justice. So they will cry out. They'll stand for righteousness and justice. And you won't stop until it's made right. Mm. They are called to carry out righteousness and heavenly justice. I say heavenly justice because the world is crying out for justice and they're giving their own definition of what justice looks like. But can I tell you, the church is called to bring heavenly justice, God's definition of justice. What is heavenly justice? I'll tell you this, it's not earthly justice. See, the earth is waiting for an answer. And if the church is afraid to seek heaven and to be the voice piece of God, the world will continue to rule. They will continue to take authority and dominion. But God, but God, but God. See, Esther's response when her people were about to be annihilated, what was Esther's response? Let me stop and fast and pray. Let me seek heaven for God's way. Not her way, because her answer was, if I perish, I perish. We need some Christians to start to answer heaven saying, hey, if I perish, I perish. But God, give me your plan. Because I'm willing to walk out your plan to save a generation. Because that's what his plan does. His plan saved Esther's entire generation of people. When we seek heaven in his way. Come on, we win. The kingdom of heaven wins and advances. But Acts 9, 1 through 9 gives us a great picture of reformation. This is the story of Saul. We all know, know who Saul was. Saul was an evil guy even though he was a religious man. See, he thought he knew the word better than anybody else and he stood for the righteousness and the laws and all of it. Yet he was persecuting Christians. Yet he was putting them in prison. And in fact, he was behind the murder of Stephen, one of God's great voice pieces. Can you imagine in a moment like that, one of God's voice pieces right now being murdered and slain? We would chant off with his head. Life in prison. Do you want to know what God's response was? I'm going to choose him as my chosen instrument. In fact, he will be one of the greatest reformers of all time. Voice pieces of all time. And in fact, he's going to suffer so great that I am going to send him to the very people that he once stood with these religious leaders. And now he has to testify of my name to them. And he is going to set thousands free for the kingdom of heaven. That church is what heavenly justice looks like when God says yes I can take a broken individual and I can reform their hearts I can make the crooked way straight in their hearts which is what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus worship team if you want to come up see Saul was on this road to Damascus we know this portion of scripture and all of a sudden, he encounters him and the people that he's with. 
encounters the presence of God. And as he encounters the presence of God, it says that he went blind. He lost his sight. The people around him, they became speechless. Church, when we encounter heaven, when we encounter Jesus, one of the main points is for our minds, our hearts, our ideas, our beliefs, our thought patterns to be reformed internally so that we have our heavenly Father's vision and heart. See, God said, I'm going to use them, but first I'm going to take their voices and I'm going to take their vision and their sight. And I'm going to let him just be blind for a few days so all he can see and think about is his encounter with my presence. And when our eyes, when our sights, when our hearts, when our beliefs, come on, that we're not so intimidated by the world when they're saying, come on, speak for justice, say something, or you are this and you're that and you're that. And so all of a sudden we come up with something to say and all now we're joining what the world is saying to appease them because we're afraid that we're going to be called a name instead of going and being silent and seeking heaven for heaven's voice. Church, being silent isn't always a bad thing when we're seeking heaven, when we're seeking the heart of the Father, when we're seeking his ways. See, then what happens? You know what's funny? Is Paul was also on a street called Straight. Can't make this stuff up. You have to read your word. He encountered Jesus on a road called straight. Do you know that that road is still there today? Do you know where that road, straight street, goes to? It goes straight into Jerusalem to what's called the Eastern Gate. You know what the Eastern Gate is? It is also called the Mercy Gate. You want to know what the Mercy Gate is? That is the gate where Jesus will return for his people. He will walk through that gate and take his seat on the mercy seat. Can I tell you this morning, we are called to straight street and to grab as many people around us as possible onto the straight street to lead them through the mercy gate so that they are waiting for a Messiah to return. Reformers, this morning, this is what we're called to. I'm going to close with this because I feel that there is an immense amount of pressure, especially in this region. See, once Paul was delivered, it says that the Holy Spirit came on him. Ananias prayed over him. He got his sight back, his vision back. Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now he's empowered. Now we find in Acts 16, 16, that he's preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden there's this slave girl who's filled with a demonic spirit. And she's behind them nonstop saying, 
These are the chosen ones. They're preaching the truth. They're tr preaching about Jesus, the Messiah. Church, hear me. Everything that she was saying wasn't wrong. It was true. What was wrong with what she was saying? Yet Paul turns around and rebukes the demon and says, come out in the name of Jesus. Can you imagine the people standing around saying, geez, Paul, that wasn't compassionate. Why did you yell at that girl that way? What she was saying was true. But see, because Paul was now empowered by the Spirit of God, he had the gift of discernment that discerned the thing in her, discerned the demon and the agenda in her was to place Jesus and then the devil on the same altar. Come on, when Paul was to pass through this city, now who would the people look to? They would have looked to her, the demon-possessed girl. Can I tell you this morning that God is not in, into sharing an altar with hell? There is going to be some discernment that has to rise up, a confidence of discernment that has to rise up in you because God is not going to share your household when there are two altars built in it. He is not going to share his authority and give it away for an evil authority to come and steal it. We're in a time now that there are going to be movements, like I said earlier, that will sound right. But church, will you discern the agenda behind it? Church, will you discern the evil behind it? And will you, like Paul, be fearless and bold to stand up and say, God, use me as a holy reformer. Stand to your feet this morning if you say yes to what God is calling this church and this house to this morning. Those that are standing, I take it as your yes this morning. Can I tell you that there will be a war for your flesh? Church, there will be a war for your flesh. This cannot be a good word this morning, but something you have to receive. Say, God, empower me as a voice of truth, a voice of righteousness, a voice of heavenly justice. The Lord said to me, this is a house of reformation. He said to me, your pastors are reformers and they're called to raise up a house of reformers. Can I tell you that there are two things this morning that you must do to walk this out. You must daily pursue him. Your name is pursuit. You must daily pursue heaven. There will be a temptation daily to get on a bandwagon that is other than what God has called you to be about. I promise you daily there will be an invitation to be a part of something that sounds good and sounds great, but isn't God. And the second thing, I feel like I'm supposed to stay there. Church, daily, daily you must talk to him. Daily you must submit your heart, your ideas, your thoughts, what you're thinking, 
what you're afraid of. If you don't submit them to him to correct them, they will produce a baby. You have to allow God to partner with you. To partner, there has to be daily relationships. And this is where the Holy Spirit begins to make the crooked things straight in us and empower us to do the same with others. And second, you have to lift your pastor's arms. There has never been a time that I know of where there has been greater pressures on pastors. You have to lift up Pastor Russell and Maria's arms. I felt I was on mission to tell you that this morning. They need their arms lifted. And there may be moments when they make decisions when you don't agree, but let me tell you, in unity, there doesn't have to be always an agreement with them. It means you go to heaven, you talk to the Lord, and you make your heart come into agreement and submit to the house. Do you know in unity, there are miracles. Unity that can't be broken. This house will birth signs and wonders. You are called to lift your pastor's arms. So right now, with the staff come and get around Pastor Russell and Mariah. And staff, I want you to lift their arms right now. I want you to hold up their arms. Church, would you please put your hands towards your pastors? We're going to pray for them. And as I pray, I don't want you to listen to my words. I want you to intercede for them. But Pastor Russell, I heard the Lord say that you guys are end time reformers. And like John the Baptist who head, whose head was cut off, there will be moments of extreme intimidation where it says, do I put my head at the altar or do I back out? And I hear the Lord saying over you, Russell and Maria, he will give you the strength to put your head out, but there will be a supernatural hedge of protection to lead an end time movement of reformers. Russell, I also heard the Lord say that there were disappointments of past things. There were disappointments where there was promises and prophetic words that were made and the enemy has twisted and distorted those moments and said they never took fruition. They never became successful and the Lord told me this morning that's a lie from the pit of hell that was to prepare you for this time if those things would have been birthed then they wouldn't have had the impact that they will now have and you guys are entering a supernatural season where the promises and the prophetic words are going to be birthed beyond what you could have ever have imagined church pray this morning over them Lord I declare I declare your hedge of protection over this couple and over this family. We declare, devil, you're a liar and you have no authority over them. I declare in their minds, be clear in the name of Jesus, holy thoughts in the name of Jesus, divine strategy in the name of Jesus. I declare their feet like steel. 
steel boots that cannot be shaken in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I release the gift of faith and wisdom to a new degree. Let it rise within them, oh God. The gift of prophecy and dreams. Lord, I declare multiplied in the name of Jesus and not just for others, but for their personal house and this house. Oh, Russell, I just heard the Lord say, your personal home, you're going to start hearing and seeing for your personal home. You guys have sacrificed so much for the house of God, and the Lord has seen it. And he said, but now my blessing is coming in a crazy way for your personal home. I declare divine unity in the Johnson home in the name of Jesus, divine health prosperity, wholeness in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for a protection that there can be even no taunting of the enemy at them, Lord, that they will sleep peacefully. They will rest peacefully in the mighty name of Jesus. Hmm. For the rest of you, we're going to close. So church, you must do two things. Seek God daily, encounter him daily, and you must lift the arms of your pastors. You must fight for unity. And if that is your yes, that you're saying, yes, Lord, I will seek you daily. Yes, Lord, I will fight for unity in this house. Use me as an end time reformer. Would you lift your hands this morning? I'm gonna declare over you this. Luke 1, 74 through 79. This portion of scripture is Zechariah who gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he, gets, he begins to prophesy over John the Baptist as a baby. Or he begins to prophesy over his baby reformer. And so this morning, receive this blessing. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us, for you, in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the land and the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, that you church, being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of your days. And you, O oh child, will be called the prophets of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. 